Yes, welcome. This is How Did I Get Here, a new podcast from Student Edge, where we're going to be asking the question, well, how did you get here? We're going to be interviewing different people every week. Now, that includes politicians, sports stars, people who work in interesting careers, business owners. We'll have a few students on here as well. We're going to be talking about you know, their early lives, high school, what was that like for them, their university lives, everything in between, their first jobs, and how they really started their career. We're going to get right into it because we've got our first guest right outside the door. Kate Cheney is the independent member for Curtin. She's a federal representative in the Australian Parliament. She's joining us today very generously. Let's talk to Kate. Joining us today on How Did I Get Here, it is the Federal Member for Curtin, the Independent, Kate Cheney. Kate, thanks for being here today. It's a pleasure, Charlie. So you were born in the US, uh, but you did grow up in Perth. How early did that transition come for you? We moved back from the US when I was about 18 months old. Both my parents were from Perth, but my dad had been working over in the States for a couple of years. And as soon as I started speaking with an American accent, mum said, we've got to go home now. (laughs) So you did then come over to Perth, uh, where you do have a rich family history here. Your grandfather, Fred Senior, and your uncle, Fred, both served in the federal government on your father's side. What role did politics play in your upbringing in your family life? I think there's a real risk of um, retrofitting things to to fit a, a certain narrative. And Um, I suppose I was always aware of politics, but um, I didn't feel that it really was particularly relevant to me any more than, um, you know, you've probably got uh, uncles who do things and, Mm. you know, grandparents who do things that are not necessarily something that you you see yourself in. Um, But what it did, it was part of a broad family um, uh, recognition of the importance of service to community And whether that's in politics or business or law or all of my aunties were in education, there was that strong sense that that you have an obligation to to contribute something to the community you live in. Hmm. We'll rocket ahead now to your high school years. You went to JTC here in Perth. Uh, What kind of student were you? I was super nerdy. (laughs) How so? (laughs) Um, um, As an eldest child, I think I was like a lot of eldest children. I was an active conformist, so... You know, I was always um, part of part of everything. You know, joined the whatever team. Had no sporting ability, but um, was you know on on every team in the in the B team, and um, and participated in you know debating. And I, I just was very involved as a as a student. Uh, I, I enjoyed my school years, but looking back on them, I think I didn't really find my you know find myself until my my university years, like like so many kids do, I think, you know, you go through and um, and you make the best of, of what's around you, but it's a time of, you know, really trying to work out who you are and who you're not. We often speak about kind of that role that early academics play in someone's later life, but you brought up an interesting point there about your co-curriculars, you know, you mentioned debating there. How do you look back on that now as having an impact on your life? Through school and uni, I think I got more out of my co-curricular activities than my academics, to be honest. Um, and I, I always was an enthusiastic student, but the the stuff you learn about how humans interact with each other in that co-curricular you know, life is so important. And whether that's in sporting teams or um, clubs, I, I was involved in various clubs at uni, 
and you learn how committees run and what to do about people who are not pulling their weight or, you know, how you actually get the best out of people, how you deal with, with people with different perspectives and, and find a way forward. And that, that I think, is a really important part of, of learning how to adult. Hmm. Uh, so at a certain point you do make it to year 11 and 12, your senior subjects and then eventually exams can be a stressful time for anyone. How did you fare there? Um, not too bad really. I mean I, I, I was, it's interesting, I, um, I, didn't, I found acad- the academic side, you know, not too difficult. Um, for probably for me, I was the lead in the school musical in year 12 and that was a really significant yeah. event for me. You know, that was my... Um, you know, probably the highlight of, of Year 12 and the academic stuff, you know, tripped along in the background, um, but that was fun. What was the musical? It was, I was Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady. Oh, yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that was great. And similarly, that was a fantastic experience of just the, the confidence building of having to get up and, uh, you know, at, at what can be a pretty uncomfortable and awkward age, uh, you know, sing in front of uh, all my peers and you know friends and enemies and and everyone around. So I think that was a good confidence building um, experience. And then the academic side, uh, I mean, I I suppose I'm a bit of a planner, so I spent a lot of time making study timetables and then redoing the study timetables with smaller and smaller windows of time left. Uh, but ultimately got through um, yeah, got through that and and went and did arts at UWA to start with. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to your uni experience in just a moment. First, uh, something we ask everyone that comes on this show, uh, what was your first ever job? Was it at high school or throughout uni, a casual job? Yeah, so it was at school and I had in a in year, I used to do some babysitting from about year mm-hmm. nine onwards and then in year 10 I also was uh, working in a food truck at Fremantle Markets making burgers. Oh, really? Yeah. That's an interesting one. And, and supermarket. You know, check out chick a um, few yeah. days after school. So I, I got quite heavily into the, the, the part-time work in Year 10, uh, which I think is a fantastic uh, experience. And my son has just got his first job on the weekend in a cafe. Oh, that's yeah, great. He's, he's Year 9 now, but um, I think it's a great way just to uh, be see more of the world, be treated differently. You know, you're not a student. You're expected to actually pull your weight and do what you do what you have to do. Mm. You have to turn up even if you don't feel like it. You learn about working with all different sorts of people who you know don't see the world the way you do. Really valuable. Mm. We'll get into that uni experience now. So you went to UWA here in Perth. You said you were studying arts. Uh, so. Uh, what specifically in arts did you study? In first year, I did philosophy, English, theatre, and linguistics. Right, um, and I really loved that mix. I, f- I remember saying I felt like I was majoring in dinner party conversation. You know, they were just kind of interesting things. Mm. Um, and in fact, first year philosophy, I reckon I still use all the time. That logic and critical thinking um, was a real, a really good foundational skill. And then um, second year I took six months off and worked and then went travelling with a friend and then transferred into law after that. That experience of taking six months there, that's an interesting one. Uh, what, did, what role did you think that played as you came back to uni? Um, I, was pretty f- I was pretty focused on saving money to go away with my friend. So mm. it was a very – and I, I did um, live in babysitting or nannying um, – most of the most of that six months so I kind of went from one family to another 
I think it was a very effective contraception for me because I, <laughs> spending all that time with kids at that age, I did think, oh, this parenting <laughs> stuff's pretty tough. Let's put that off for as long as possible. Um, and, it, and probably it was a good – it just also made me realise that uni was pretty fun and I wanted to stick around for a bit longer um, and applied for straight law, which you could do then. So I, I went mm. into a four-year um, law degree after that break and probably came back with some renewed enthusiasm for, for study and a, and a bit more focus. So throughout this whole high school and uni experience, we spoke about your family history of politics, but is there any personal aspiration of politics at this time or does that come later on? Uh, no aspiration at all mm. for me politically at that point. I, I mean, I, at that point, I think I just wanted to be a student. It was I, I loved studying, loved the uni life. Um, I remember feeling quite happy that law was another four years and I didn't have to go and get a real job for another <laughs> four years after that. Um, and politics, uh, I think I, I never really felt like either party, um, I, I couldn't see myself in either party. So, And at that point, I don't think I would have... Con- um, considered ac- uh, independence as a as a viable path. So I remember people asking me if I was interested, but I'd always say, I, you know, I don't I don't fit into other party, and um, probably it all just seemed pretty hard and and a lot of bickering and you know a, a bit overwhelming. So I certainly was interested in social impact in different ways, but but didn't really see a path through politics on on the social impact front. So eventually you do finish uni and uh, if my research is right, you move over to Sydney, start working at a law firm. That's a big transition, Perth to Sydney. First of all, what was that like? Well, it was actually um, before that I went and did six months at Berkeley as an exchange student. And I think after going from Perth to Berkeley and California, (laughs) I came back to Perth and it all just felt very small. And, you know, all my friends were kissing each other in different combinations and I thought there's <laughs> got to be more to life than this. So I was keen to, to, to get out and move somewhere a, a bit different. Um, so probably Sydney after Berkeley didn't, wasn't that huge a, a transition. The bigger transition was working, you know, full-time work for the first time. And I remember um, coming back from work on the bus um, every night in my first week and it was already dark and it was pouring with rain and I was wearing high heels and stockings and I was uncomfortable and I remember thinking, I can't believe I've got to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> mm. So when does that switch happen when you start? What, do you start at a certain point enjoying the work? and oh, Not that you weren't yeah. enjoying it first of all, but you know, how does uh, work start to sh- take shape for you early on? So I, I was a lawyer in a big firm for three or four years, um, and I, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the life and the independence. Um, I didn't feel like my whole brain was being used. I felt like it was very very much focused on thinking about the worst-case scenario and guarding against it rather than um, you know, being a, um, having a more creative influence. Um, but, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't dislike it. But then I left um, law and went and did an MBA... And that was a great experience for me. That was a really um, broadening experience and just made me realise there are a whole lot of different ways of thinking about things other than the legal training that I've had and that I do have some transferable skills. I think in law, um, at least when I did it, you were very much encouraged to think that this is what I'm trained to do and so therefore this is the career that I have and and that's where the status is and, and so hopping off that career path, you know, f- there felt like there was some risk with that, like you're going to end up doing, you know, just an ordinary job. Um, but post-MBA, I, it really made me realise there's, there's more out there. And so then I went to 
a Boston Consulting Group and did management consulting mm. for three years. And that was a fantastic learning experience. It was terrifying. Um, and coming in without that quantitative background, having been in law, um, I had some pretty funny moments of trying to navigate my way around a spreadsheet mm. you know, without really some core skills. <laughs> um, but I, I learnt a huge amount. And that's probably when I really felt like... Um, I felt like I was in my element and um, and having that great work experience that you do when you get into a professional life that you enjoy of seeing something that seems unachievable, working your way through it um, and achieving something in it and, and thinking, oh, I can actually do this. Hmm. Well, we'll take a step back, I think, because I did want to ask about that decision to then go back and study an MBA. Where, where does that decision initially come from while you're working as a lawyer? So I wasn't really a happy lawyer. I felt like this is not forever. And at, at various stages I'd think, oh, well, I'll just qualify and I'll just do one more year and I'll just... And it was really thinking about, well, what, what's good for the CV um, and I guess proving that I could do it and getting that, that background. But it, it didn't feel like it was going to be a long-term path for me and I didn't see any senior, you know, any partners in the law firm that I was working at and think that's the life that I want mm. Um, so I sort of was looking around for different things that I could do and an MBA seemed to be, and probably my dad influenced me in, in thinking about an MBA. He had done a similar thing at a similar stage of his career um, and I thought it's a good way to broaden my perspective, um, go back to study, which I'd loved, and going back to full-time study after you've been a full-time worker, you really approach it differently. You know, it was felt like a real luxury. Mm. That was pretty much my next question, that, that experience of going back and being a student again. What, was there much difference in the two student lives, you know, at UWA and then doing yeah. the MBA after? There was a lot of difference, mm. I think. Um, I mean, UWA, I was far more focused on the social life, really, than the academics. And, and going back as a 28-year-old... Um, and, you know, giving up a decent salary and making some sacrifices and my husband was then supporting me while I did that. You've got to be pretty focused that this is what you want to do. Mm. Um, and, I, I mean, it was still a great year socially and I met fantastic people from all over the world who had come to Australian Graduate School of Management in Sydney. Um, but I also, by that stage, had learnt for some skills in, in law about how to take a big chunk of information... Um, and boil it down to what you really need to get out of it. So I found not only did I find that studying easier, but I also did did better than I had in um, in uni the first time around because I just had that ability to really focus on it. And also that, that knowledge that I'm here because I want to, not because this is the default path, but because I've chosen to be here and spend my days doing this. Hmm. Now, post-MBA, you, you built up quite the impressive resume uh, going through it. You mentioned Boston Consultancy, worked for the Perth Airport, uh, a range of different roles at West Farmers, and then most recently at Anglicare WA. How do you view that diverse range of experience now? How has it helped you to where you are today? I think, I mean, where I am today as a Member of Parliament, it's a really useful, diverse background, but that, that was by no means intentional. Um, Really, each of those steps was a choice at the time where I, um, uh, you know, I had various reasons for taking those, those different uh, steps. And, and throwing three kids in there too, you know, that breaks up the career path a little bit and, and, and creates some different decision points. Um, so, 
I mean, I, what I one of the things I loved about changing careers and you know moving from um, in, in different areas was being on that steep learning curve. And I do just love that. I think it's so fascinating and so humbling to think you've really got it sussed in one workplace. Then you go, you know, going from the corporate sector into the non-profit sector. It's very easy to come in and think, oh, I'll show these non-profit people a thing or two. But actually you've just got so much to learn about different ways of interacting, mm-hmm. different you know, prioritising different um, characteristics. And, and so th- I loved that experience too of going, wow, I really, um, you know, sitting with a, in a group of people who have come through social work or youth work, they just approach things in this very this emotionally intelligent way that was quite different to the much more outcomes focused approach in the in the corporate world. Hmm. Now we're we're getting closer and closer to the present, uh, close to 2022, and the lead up to the election, you're approached, and then you eventually make the decision to run as an independent in the seat of Curtin. How did that all come about? So, probably for the last five or ten years, I've I've sat on various boards, and I've increasingly been interested in our future building system and how we're actually making the future that, that we want or, or don't want. Um, and I had done a lot of reading and my husband kept saying, where's all this reading going? You know, you're reading sociology and politics and economics and philosophy and it's not going anywhere. I'm just I'm just interested in it. Um, and then in January this year, um, I was approached by two people I knew who said, would you be interested in having a conversation with this Curtin Independent Group? And I'd read about them in the paper and I thought, oh, that's interesting. You know, good luck to them. I hope they find someone. Mm. <laughs> um, but I said, yeah, okay, I'll have a conversation. And it, and in talking to that group, it occurred to me that a lot of the dissatisfaction I felt with how we were making our future was shared across my community. And that was around um, significant issues like climate, um, rebuilding trust in politics, long-term economic thinking and inclusive communities um, and also just, I suppose, I'd, the time I'd spent doing innovation in the non-profit sector um, had given me that sense that um, disruption is possible and we can do things differently. So when I was approached, I thought, you know, there are lots of good reasons not to do this, but ultimately it felt like something that needed to be done and um, sort of look, trying to look at my background objectively, I thought I've probably got some things to bring to this. Um, so in the end, I said yes. Mm. Uh, and then we do get to the election period. Now, it's got to be very interesting going through that as someone running for office. You know, if you think about it like a career, it's one of the most public job applications <laughs> ever. What was that experience like for you? It was completely crazy. Yeah. yeah it was, um, I mean, really from, so on the 20th of January, I just, I said yes. I finished work that day um, and took six months leave, leave with that pay Um and I pretty much worked 16-hour days for the next four months, seven days a week. So it was very different <laughs> from the part-time work that I had done throughout the last 17 years while my kids were small. Mm. Um, and just such a great mix of challenges, especially doing it from scratch without a political party behind, behind us. We were making it up as we went along. I had a small team who sort of dropped everything and got on board we had very little political experience, but we kept thinking, well, we want to do things differently. And this this surge of community support came up. Um, and we think we had 200 volunteers within a week. Um, we had no idea what to what to do with them. 
Um, so we were we were really you know learning on the fly, trying things, trying different things, and really just getting out and saying um, things can be done differently. And if you're interested in being involved, hop on board. And it was amazing just watching this community form out of nothing in a short period and drive this this wave of change. So it was a very exciting thing to be part of. The election comes and goes, and it's a very tight count for a bit, but you eventually do win the seat of Curtin. What was your emotional state like then? Well, in the week um, that votes were being counted, I had this real sense of calm because I felt like I've actually done everything I can here. I've left nothing on the table. And, um, and if I win or if I don't win it's still a good outcome and I either get to go back to my nice life, you know, or, or have this new adventure. Mm. So I felt quite calm about how it was going to end up. Um, it was very exciting to to win. And then there was this weird period of what do we do next? What do I do next? And there's no one to say, now this is what you do. You literally get a call from a government department 10 days later or something saying um, come in for a two-hour, you know, orientation session and then here are the keys to the office see you later Mm. Um, and you've got four office four roles to fill but you work out what those roles are and so we had to uh, had to you know put together a a provisional team to start with and then pick an IT system you know like really back to basics and it's like a startup so it was sort of like the campaign all over again but this time it was you know even more serious. Mm. So yeah you are elected you become a federal member for Curtin. Uh, I won't keep you for too much longer, but there are a couple more things that I'd like to know. First is, is there anything you might change along the way that led you up to this point? Oh, that's a really good question. I, I think it's... I have, I have no regrets, and um, I think you, wishing that something had changed, we don't know what the, what the other things that might have also changed. Mm. So, so no. I mean, I, I suppose reflecting on my path, it looks pretty windy and roundabout. And I remember a recruitment consultant saying oh, well, you've changed jobs a lot, so that's not going to look good. But I think if you, if you follow your heart and what, you know, what br- brings you passion at any time, at some point it all fits into a picture. Hmm. And final question, uh, something we ask everyone here on the podcast. If uh, 15-year-old Kate Cheney was sitting right in front of you, what advice might you give her? Um, I reckon I would say be brave. Just be brave. Um, follow your heart. Don't let anyone else, you know, tell you what you should be doing um, and it, it will all work out in the end. So I think at, at that age um, every decision feels like a really big decision but you can always change later, later on. You're very unlikely to end up doing what you first start out doing and just, just do something and say yes to as many things as possible. Mm, can't say it any better than that. <laughs> well, the, the, the question we ask here on the podcast is how did how did you get here we know how you got here but we're very excited to see what happens next that's the end of it today thank you for joining me today Kate thank you very much Charlie so it's, it's always fun to have a bit of a reflect <laughs> that it is <laughs> you can find us student underscore edge on Instagram student edge on TikTok search us up student edge on YouTube head to studentedge.org for all our articles podcast deals competition career tips education advice and much much more Kate thank you very much thank you